Section 22 of Agatha Webb. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gaby Cowan. Agatha Webb by Anne Catherine Green. Chapter 22. Sweetwater Reasons and what of sweetwater in whose thoughts and actions the interest now centres when he left mr sutherland it was with feelings such as a few who knew him supposed him capable of experiencing unattractive as he was in every way ungainly in figure and unprepossessing of countenance this bud of the more favoured youth in town had a heart whose secret fires were all the warmer for being so persistently covered and this heart was wrung with trouble and heavy with a struggle that bade fair to leave him without rest that night if not for many nights to come why one word will explain unknown to the world at large and almost unknown to himself his best affections were fixed upon the man whose happiness he thus unexpectedly saw himself destined to destroy he loved mr sutherland the suspicion which he now found transferred in his own mind from the young girl whose blood-stained slippers he had purloined during the excitement of the first alarm to the unprincipled but only son of his one benefactor had not been lightly embraced or thoughtlessly expressed he had had time to think it out in all its bearings during that long walk from porchester churchyard to mr halliday's door he had been turning over in his mind everything that he had heard and seen in connection with this matter till the dim vision of frederick's figure going on before him was not more apparent to his sight than was the guilt he so deplored to his inward understanding he could not help but recognize him as the active party in the crime he had hitherto charged amable with with the clue offered by frederick's secret anguish at the grave of agatha he could read the whole story of this detestable crime as plainly as if it had been written in letters of fire on the circle of the surrounding darkness such anguish under such circumstances on the part of such a man could mean but one thing remorse and remorse in the breast of one so proverbially careless and corrupt over the death of a woman who was neither relative nor friend could have but one interpretation and that was guilt no other explanation was possible could one be given or if any evidence could be adduced in contradiction of this assumption he would have dismissed his new suspicion with more heartiness even than he had embraced his former one he did not wish to believe frederick guilty he would have purchased an inner conviction of his innocence 
almost at the price of his own life not because of any latent interest in the young man himself but because he was charles sutherland's son and the dear if unworthy centre of all that noble man's hopes aims and happiness but he could come upon no fact capable of shaking his present belief taking for truth amabel's account of what she had seen and done on that fatal night something which he had hesitated over the previous day but which he now found himself forced to accept or do violence to his own secret convictions and adding to it such facts as had come to his own knowledge in his self-imposed role of detective he had but to test the events of that night by his present theory of frederick's guilt to find them hang together in a way too complete for mistake for what had been his reasons for charging amabel herself with the guilt of a crime she only professed to have been a partial witness to they were many first the forced nature of her explanations in regard to her motive for leaving a merry ball and betaking herself to the midnight road in her party dress and slippers a woman of her well-known unsympathetic nature might use the misery of the sables as a pretext for slipping into town at night but never could be influenced by it as a motive second the equally unsatisfactory nature of the reasons she gave for leaving the course she had marked out for herself and entering upon the pursuit of an unknown man into a house in which she had no personal interest and from which she had just seen a bloody dagger thrown out the most callous of women would have shrunk from letting her curiosity carry her thus far third the poverty of her plea that after having braved so much in her desire to identify this criminal she was so frightened at his near approach as to fail to lift her head when the opportunity was given her to recognize him fourth her professed inability to account for the presence of the orchid from her hair being found in the room with batsy fifth her evident attempt to throw the onus of the crime on an old man manifestly incapable from physical causes of committing it sixth the improbability which she herself should have recognized of this old man in his extremely weak condition ignoring the hiding places offered by the woods back of his own house for the sake of one not only involving a long walk but situated close to a much frequented road and almost in view of the sutherland mansion seventh the transparent excuse of sympathy for the old man and her desire to save him from the consequences of his crime which she offered in extenuation of her own criminal avowal of having first found and then reburied the ill-gotten gains she had come upon in her persistent pursuit of the flying criminal so impulsive an act might be consistent with the blind compassion of some weak-headed 
but warm-hearted woman but not with her self-interested nature incapable of performing any heroic deed save from personal motives or the most headlong passion lastly the weakness of her explanation in regard to the cause which led her to peer into the sable cottage through a hole made in the window shade curiosity has its limits even in a woman's breast and unless she hoped to see more than was indicated by her words her action was but the precursor of a personal entrance into a room where we have every reason to believe the twenty-dollar bill was left a telling record and sufficient to favour the theory of her personal guilt if after due thought certain facts in contradiction to this assumption had not offered themselves to his mind even before he thought of frederick as the unknown man she had followed down the hillside as for instance this crime if committed by her was done deliberately and with a premeditation antedating her departure from the ballroom yet she went upon this errand in slippers white slippers at that something which so cool and calculating a woman could have avoided however careless she might have shown herself in other regards again guilt awakens cunning even in the dullest breast but she keen beyond most men even and so self-poised that the most searching examination could not shake her self-control betrayed an utter carelessness as to what she did with these slippers on her return thrusting them into a place easily accessible to the most casual search had she been conscious of guilt and thus amenable to law the sight of blood and mud-stains on those slippers would have appalled her and she would have made some attempt to destroy them and not put them behind a picture and forgotten them again would she have been so careless with a flower she knew to be identified with herself a woman who deliberately involves herself in crime has quick eyes she would have seen that flower fall at all events if she had been immediately responsible for its being on the scene of the crime she would with her quick wit have found some excuse or explanation for it instead of defying her examiners with some such words as these it is a fact for you to explain i only know that i did not carry this flower into that room of death again had she been actuated in her attempt to fix the crime on old james Sable by a personal consciousness of guilt and a personal dread she would not have stopped at suggestioning her allusions to the person she watched burying the treasure in the woods instead of speaking of him as a shadow whose flight she had followed at a distance she would have described 
his figure as that of the same old man she had seen enter the zabel cottage a few minutes before there being no reason for indefiniteness on this point her conscience being sufficiently elastic for any falsehood that could further her ends and lastly her manner under the examination to which she had been subjected was not that of one who felt herself under a personal attack it was a strange suggestive hesitating manner bluffing a lie to him who had more or less sounded her strange nature and to those who had no previous knowledge of her freaks and subtle intellectual power and only reaching its height of hateful charm and mysterious daring when frederick appeared on the scene and joined or seemed to join himself to the number of her examiners now let all suspicion of her as an active agent in this crime be dropped assume frederick to be the culprit and she the simple accessory after the fact and see how inconsistencies vanish and how much more natural the whole conduct of this mysterious woman appears amabel page left a merry dance at midnight and stole away into the sutherland garden in her party dress and slippers why not to fulfil an errand which anyone who knows her cold and unsympathetic nature can but regard as a pretext but because she felt it imperative to see if her lover with whose character temptations and necessities she was fully acquainted and in whose excited and preoccupied manner she had probably discovered signs of a secretly growing purpose meant indeed to elude his guest and slip away to town on the dangerous and unholy enterprise suggested by their mutual knowledge of the money to be obtained there by one daring enough to enter a certain house open like their own to midnight visitors she followed at such an hour and into such a place not an unknown man casually come upon but her lover whom she had tracked from the garden of his father's house where she had lain in wait for him it took courage to do this but a courage no longer beyond the limit of feminine daring for her fate was bound up in his and she could not but feel the impulse to save him from the consequences of crime if not from the crime itself as for the aforementioned flower what more natural than that frederick should have transferred it from her hair to his buttonhole during some of their interviews at the ball and that it should have fallen from its place to the floor in the midst of his possible struggle with batsy and with this assumption of her perfect knowledge as to who the man was who had entered mrs webb's house how much easier it is to understand why she did not lift her head when she heard him descend the stairs no woman 
even one so depraved as she, would wish to see the handsome face of her lover in the glare of a freshly committed crime. And besides, she might be very easily be afraid of him, for a man has but a blow for the suddenly detected witness of his crime unless that witness is his confidant, which from every indication Sweetwater felt bound to believe Amabel was not. Her flight to the Sable Cottage, after an experience which would madden most women, can now be understood. She was still following her lover. The plan of making Agatha's old and wretched friend amenable for her death originated with frederick and not with amabel it was he who first started for the sable cottage it was he who left the bank bill there this is all clear and even the one contradictory fact of the dagger having been seen in the old man's hand was not a stumbling block to sweetwater with the audacity of one confident of his own insight, he explained it to himself thus. The dagger, thrown out from the window by the assassin, possibly because he knew of Sable's suspected visit there that night, fell on the grass and was picked up by Amabel, only to be flung down again in the brightest part of the lawn. It was lying there when, a few minutes later and before either frederick or amabel had left the house the old man entered the yard in a state of misery bordering on frenzy he and his brother were starving had been starving for days he was too proud to own his one and too loyal to his brother to leave him for the sake of the food prepared for them both at agatha's house and this was why he had hesitated over his duty till this late hour when his own secret misery or perhaps the hope of relieving his brother drove him to enter the gate he had been accustomed to see open before him in glad hospitality he finds the lights burning in the house above and below and encouraged by the welcome they seem to hold out he staggers up the path ignorant of the tragedy which was at the very moment being enacted behind those lighted windows but half way toward the house he stops the courage which has brought him so far suddenly fails and in one of those quick visions which sometimes visit men in extremity he foresees the astonishment which his emaciated figure is likely to cause in these two old friends and burying his face in his hands he stops and bitterly communes with himself before venturing farther fatal stop fatal communing for as he stands there he sees a dagger his own old dagger how lost or how found he probably did not stop to ask lying on the grass and offering in its dumb way suggestions as to how he might end this struggle without any further suffering dizzy with a new hope preferring death 
to the humiliation he saw before him in agatha's cottage he dashes out of the yard almost upsetting mr crane who was passing by on his homeward way from an errand of mercy a little while later amabel comes upon him lying across his own doorstep he has made an effort to enter but his long walk and the excitement of his last bitter hour have been too much for him as she watches him he gains strength and struggles to his feet while she aghast at the sight of the dagger she had herself flung down in agatha's yard and dreading the encounter between this old man and the lover she had been following to this place creeps around the house and looks into the first window she finds open what does she expect to see frederick brought face to face with this desperate figure with its uplifted knife but instead of that she beholds another old man seated at a table and amabel had paused when she reached that and and sweetwater had not then seen how important this pause was but now he understood it now he saw that if she had not had a subtle purpose in view that if she had wished to tell the truth rather than produce false inferences in the minds of those about her calculated to save the criminal as she called him she would have completed her sentence thus i saw an old man seated at a table and frederick sutherland standing over him for sweetwater had no longer a doubt that frederick was in that room at that moment what further she saw whether she was witness to an encounter between this intruder and james or whether by some lingering on the latter's part frederick was able to leave the house without running across him was a matter of comparative unimportance what is of importance is that he did leave and that amabel knowing it was frederick strove to make her auditors believe it was sable who carried the remainder of the money into the woods yet she did not say so and if her words on this subject could be carefully recalled one would see that if it was still her lover she was following and no old man tottering on the verge of the grave and only surviving because of the task he was bent on performing amabel's excuse for handling the treasure and for her reburial of the same comes now within the bounds of possibility she hoped to share this money some day and her greed was too great for her to let such an amount lie there untouched while her caution led her to bury it deeper even at the risk of the discovery she was too inexperienced to fear that she should forget to feign surprise when the alarm of murder was raised was very natural and so was the fact that a woman with a soul so blunted to all delicate instincts and with a mind so intent upon perfecting the scheme entered into by the murderer of throwing the blame upon the man whose dagger had been made use of should persist in visiting the scene 
of crime and calling attention to the spot where that dagger had fallen and so with her manner before her examiners bluffing as that manner was it still showed the streaks of consistency when you thought of it as the cloak of a subtle unprincipled woman who sees amongst her interlocutors the guilty man whom by a word she can destroy but whom she exerts herself to save even at the cost of a series of bizarre explanations she was playing with a life a life she loved but not with sincerity sufficient to rob the game of a certain delicate if inconceivable intellectual enjoyment footnote that sweetwater in his hate and with no real clue of the real situation should come so near the truth as in this last supposition shows the keenness of his insight and frederick had there been anything in his former life or in his conduct since the murder to give the lie to these heavy doubts against him on the contrary though sweetwater knew little of the dark record which had made this young man the disgrace of his family what he did know was so much against him that he could well see that the distance usually existing between simple dissipation and desperate crime might be easily breached by some great necessity for money had there been such a necessity sweetwater found it easy to believe so and frederick's manner was it that of an honest man simply shocked by the suspicious which had fallen upon the woman he loved had he sweetwater not observed certain tell-tale moments in his late behaviour that required a deeper explanation even than this the cry for instance with which he had rushed from the empty ballroom into the woods on the opposite side of the road was it a natural cry or an easily explainable one thank god this terrible night is over a strange language to be uttered by this man at such a time and in such a place if he did not already know what was to make this night of nights memorable through all this region he did know and this cry which had struck sweetwater strangely at the time and still more strangely when he regarded it simply as a coincidence now took on all the force of a revelation and the irresistible bubbling up in frederick's breast of that remorse which had just found its full expression on agatha's grave to some that remorse and all his other signs of suffering might be explained by his passion for the real criminal but to sweetwater it was only too evident that an egotist like frederick sutherland cannot suffer for another to such an extent as this and that a personal explanation must be given for so personal a grief even if that explanation involves 
the dreadful charge of murder it was then when sweetwater reached this point in his reasoning that frederick disappeared beneath mr halliday's porch and mr sutherland came up behind him after the short conversation in which sweetwater saw his own doubts more than reflected in the uneasy consciousness of this stricken father he went home and the struggle of his life began End of section 22. Sweetwater Reasons. Recorded by Gabby Cowan.